45 years ago, 1976, my wife and I were anticipating the birth of our first child, our daughter. Uh, doctors told us due date was uh, December 24th, so we were expecting a special Christmas present. Uh, she arrived 11 days early on the 13th, and so we celebrated uh, her birthday this last week, and she would be totally angry with me for letting you know that she's 45 years old, because that totally, totally stresses her out. And of course, that always reminds me I'm almost 72. Oh well. But I remember well. We were anticipating her birth, and uh, you know, it's it's funny how 45 years later you can still remember being there in the room, watching her being born, and all those emotions and everything. And and I remember thinking at the time, I need to tell everybody she's here. And so, you know, I could have announced her birth in so many exciting ways, I thought. You know, Goodyear Blimp used to have a little thing <laughs> on the side. I put that out, or a billboard on the side of the freeway, front page ad in the L.A. Times, you know. Uh, maybe even enlist some of the celebrity spokespeople, you know. I love Denzel Washington, uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, Fran with Progressive and not so much. But, uh, you know, when, when you have important news to announce... Uh, you want to do it in a spectacular way, right? And so if I had been in charge of announcing Jesus' birth, there would have been a front page ad in the Jerusalem Times, right? And uh, I would have enlisted the best ad agency in Jerusalem to, to publish the news abroad. But God did not do that. What did he do? He enlisted shepherds to tell the story, to share the news. And I've often wondered, why in the world did God choose shepherds to be his spokespeople, his announcers of the birth of his son? And so we want to come to Luke chapter 2 again, and I want to read a portion that the children shared with us this morning. Didn't they do an awesome job, those kids? Yeah! But I want you to come with me again to Luke chapter 2, and I want to read just this portion and I wonder if, as we read this, you might gain some insight as to why God chose shepherds to be his spokespeople. Because humanly speaking, it makes no sense. And we're going to explore that a little bit together. So beginning in verse 8, it says, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. No surprise there, right? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths. And lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angel had gone away, gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, 
they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as been told them. And so as you think about these shepherds this morning, I think it's important to understand that in the context of the New Testament world, the shepherds were at the lowest possible rung of the social ladder. Shepherds at one time had been kind of a, a very noble, important profession early in the history of God's people. But when they went to Egypt, everything changed. Because in Egypt, they became farmers instead of just shepherds. And how do farmers and shepherds get along? Not good, Irene, you're right. It's kind of like in the Old West, the cattlemen and the shepherds. Constant conflict and battle. But shepherds, because of the very nature of caring for sheep, are constantly in motion. Sheep can't eat and stay in the same pasture because they rip the grass out where cows tear it and chew it. And so sheep have to be moved from place to place. And so shepherds were famously known as what is thine is mine as they traveled from place to place with their sheep. And they tended to have sticky fingers and pick up things that didn't belong to them. And so the shepherds went from this noble profession to being this despised group of people, the lowest of the low on the social strata in Israel. The Mishnah, which is a collection of uh, oral traditions that were written down by, by the rabbis, said that shepherds were incompetent, they couldn't be trusted. Uh, they weren't allowed to give testimony in court because their testimony was not trustworthy. Uh, you were advised not to buy wool or milk from shepherds. Why? Because it probably wasn't theirs. And so shepherds had this, this terrible, terrible reputation. Once noble profession, now despised. And God chose these guys to tell the story, to share the message. Does that make any sense? Not to me, not on a human level. In fact, if you think about it, wouldn't it have made more sense in some ways to enlist the religious leaders of the day in this process? Why not appear to the Sanhedrin, to the priesthood, and announce the news to them and have them go to Bethlehem? But God didn't do that. Why not? Well, that's a good question. There's a passage in Romans that came to mind as I reflected on this. In Romans chapter 1, it says that not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise, God has chosen what? The foolish things to confound the wise. And I wonder if that was part of God's strategy in this announcement. Because when you have good news to announce, you want to announce it, I think, in a very positive, significant way, right? But he chose shepherds. The low rung of the ladder. And so the status of these shepherds stands in sharp contrast to the significance of the message that they were entrusted with. They're at the lowest possible level, and how important is the message they were given? 
vitally, critically important. And so, the simple message of the angels is captured in these words. Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, Christ the Lord. That is a significant message. A Savior has been born. He's the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. And He's Lord, He's King. And this last week I saw a, a statement. Some of you probably saw it on my Facebook page. In the hundreds of years of history, many babies have become kings. But only one baby, or only one king, has become a baby. And so here's this spectacular, significant message that needs to be communicated. And I found myself thinking, using shepherds to announce this this great message that this Savior's been born, the Messiah, the King, would be like me choosing... You know, drug addicts, bad ladies, homeless people to announce the birth of my daughter, right? Doesn't make sense. And so you have the status of the shepherds, the lowest of the low socially. You have this significant message that needs to be proclaimed. And then, I think there's some clues as to why God chose the shepherds. As you see how they responded to the message that they were given. A simple basic response to the message that they were given. What did they do when the angel came and announced to them, today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How did they respond to that? They ran to Bethlehem. And I found myself thinking, these shepherds were responsible for caring for their flocks of sheep. And whether they are hired hands or owners of the flocks, those flocks of sheep are dependent on those who care for them. Sheep have a tendency to wander off when they're left alone. Sheep have a tendency to get in trouble when they're left alone. And so the shepherd's chief responsibility was to do what? Take care of the sheep. Stay with the flock. And I thought, so these guys, probably, it was cold at night, They left a warm fire. I'm just kind of trying to put myself in that situation. How excited would I be to leave a warm fire, uh, leave my flocks behind that were my livelihood, my source of income, leave that behind and go racing off to Bethlehem? And I wonder if there were a couple of guys that were saying, you know, something about a wild goose chase. You know, what's going on here? So why did the shepherds leave their flocks? Why did the shepherds go to Bethlehem? When they heard the message, did they believe it was true? Obviously. So they embraced the message as truth and acted on it and raced off. The King James, if any of you have the King James translation this morning, it uses the word haste. They made haste to get to Bethlehem. My translation says they, they hurry to Bethlehem. And so these lowly shepherds 
go to Bethlehem in search of a baby in a feeding trough. And I wonder if the fact of their low social status made it easier for them to travel to a baby in a feeding trough, a place of low status. I wonder how the rich and wealthy and religious leaders would have responded to a message to go to Bethlehem and look for a baby in a manger. I don't know. But these shepherds raced off to Bethlehem to see the baby. And it's interesting as you read the text that others that were there uh, wondered about the message that the shepherds shared with them. Um, Others, Mary, it says, treasured and pondered these things in her heart. But the shepherds told the story of what the angel had told them. Today, in the city of David, there's born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so the shepherds, by the way, were the shepherds commanded to go to Bethlehem? Not really was kind of implied that, hey, that's where the action is. You know, this is where the baby is. But they didn't have a command to go. They didn't have a command to tell other people the message that the angel had shared with them. But the message of the Christmas story is too important to be kept to yourself. The message that the shepherds heard from the angel was too important for them to keep it to themselves. And so they shared that message. They told that story. Other people wondered about what they were being told. Mary was kind of pondering what was going on and what it was all about. And it says the shepherds, after they went to Bethlehem and saw the baby, they returned glorifying and praising God. I wonder how many other people they told. I found myself thinking as I was reflecting on this, you know, if I'd been one of those shepherds, first thing I would have done would have been tell my, tell my wife, tell my kids, tell my relatives, tell my friends, right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. When you, when you have good news, I love that part, good news, great joy. I love that part. Great, good news, great joy. Uh, but when you have good news... That's something you want to announce. Something you want to make known. Good news. Anybody pick up a newspaper this last week? Anybody turn on the evening news this last week? Did you hear any good news? Nope. You know, I was going to bring yesterday's front page. It was awful. But God had good news, great joy. And so for these shepherds, they obediently, without a command, go and tell what they've heard, what they've seen. And as I watch these shepherds, I'm struck with the simple truth that the story of Christmas is too good to be kept to ourselves, right? It's intended to be shared. It's intended to be shared. And as I reflected on this, I thought, you know, the shepherd's response 
to the message that the angel gave them seems to me in sharp contrast to most Christians today who have heard the good news, they believed what they were heard, they know people that need to hear it, but what? We fail so often to share it. And so my admiration for these shepherds at the lowest rung of the social ladder has kind of risen. These guys are heroes. They heard and saw, and they went and told. Simple, simple, simple. So, what qualifications did they bring into this story? What prepared them? What equipped them? What did they bring to qualify them to be the spokesman that God chose? Little if any education. Little if any training. Lowest rung of the social ladder. Despised by the culture in which they lived. And yet, God chose to use them. And God's choice today in the 21st century is to use you and me. Wherever we find ourselves in the social stratus, whatever education or lack thereof, whatever training or lack thereof, all that's required is to see and hear and go and tell, right? Hear the story of Christmas, believe that it's true, and know somebody that needs to hear it. That's basically what happened. That's basically what we celebrate this morning as we sing Christmas carols, as we read Luke's account. They knew the message. They knew it was true. And they knew someone that needed to hear it. They went and shared it. And so that's a reminder for you and me this morning. When God has an important message, He chooses the best way to communicate it. His best way in the first century was what? Shepherds. In my mind, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And yet, now today, in the 21st century, God's best method method for sharing His message is you and me, us. The story of Christmas is too important to keep to ourselves. And I'm impressed with that as I reflect on this. I remember several years ago, um, couldn't tell you what theater it was, what movie it was. It was Christmas time. And you know how they have those ads that always run while you're waiting for the movie to finally start? And they're trying to sell you popcorn and whatever. And I remember this Christmas, there was an ad on there. And it was, if you could give a gift to the world, what would you give? And as that ad continued to run, there were responses like something about, you know, combating global warming, dealing with the uh, ozone layer, you know, really critical stuff in life. And I found myself sitting there watching this ad on the screen and listening to it thinking, you know, if I had a gift to give to the world, what would I give? Give Jesus. Give Jesus. If we had a gift to give to the world. The story of Christmas is a message too important to keep to ourselves. It's not a matter of education or training. I look at these shepherds and I realize that in God's scheme of things, what's required is somebody that's available to do what God asked them to do. Someone that's available has heard the message, understood the message, believed the message, and knows someone who needs to hear it. And so I wonder at this Christmas season, 
Who is it in my life? Who is it in your life that needs to hear the story of Christmas? Needs to hear the message today that's born for you. A Savior, Christ the Lord. And maybe at Christmas time is an opportunity as family gathers for you to read Luke chapter 2, read the story. Maybe at Christmas time as family gathers there's opportunity to pray, whether you pray over a meal or to share the story of, of Christmas. Maybe there's a neighbor or a friend that you can meet over coffee with a pastry or whatever your choice might be. Talk about Christmas. Tell the story. Who is it in your circle of life that God wants you, like these shepherds, to share the story? The message of Christmas is too important to keep to ourselves. And I think about this also this morning with the reality that the message of Christmas I could also say that today, this day, December 19th, 2021, today in the city of Norwalk, there's a Savior for you, Christ the Lord. And the great message of Christmas that we celebrate in song and scriptures we've read this morning, the great, the great message of Christmas is the simple reminder of the truth that God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so the story of Christmas, the message of Christmas that's captured in those words today, in the city of David there's born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That what we celebrate is that the eternal creator God wants to have relationship with you and with me. It's in the heart of God to love us and to have relationship with us. That is, that is God's heart. And yet as you read the Bible, as you read the scriptures, there's a, there's a barrier that hinders that relationship from happening, Right? And that barrier is summarized in the simple word in the Bible of sin, disobedience. That we have chosen to live life independent from God. We've chosen to live life apart from God. We've chosen to make other things God in our lives rather than Him. And so in our culture, we make a God out of our money, our possessions, our celebrities. And God says, I, I want to be that number one person in your life. I want to have a relationship with you. And so we're separated from God by our disobedience, our breaking of His law. And the scripture says that all have sinned, right? All have sinned and fall short of His glory. That's right, I read. We fall short of His glory. And the scripture says that the wages of sin is death. What we earn because of our sin, our disobedience, is separation from God. And that's why 2,000 years ago, what happened? The eternal creator God left the glory of heaven and became a man. Born as a baby in that manger. And for 33 years, that baby grew. That baby became the man we know as Jesus. He lived a perfect, sinless life, a life that none of us could live. 
And ultimately, in the plan and providence of God, he went to the cross. Where he died, painful, awful, horrible death, as payment for sin. And as I like to say, he, I owed a debt I couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe, right? He died in my place. He died in your place. And that's why that passage in Luke 2 says, Today there's born for you. That's why he came. He came for you. He came for me. To die on the cross, three days later to rise from the dead, is evidence of that sacrifice being accepted. And what God asks of you and me is that we would turn from our sin, what the Bible calls repentance, to turn from our sin and turn toward the Lord and put our faith and our trust in Him. And there's no magical secret way to do that. There's no magical secret prayer that needs to be prayed. But it's a heart that responds to what God has done through us, done for us through His Son Jesus. That I turn from my sin and put my faith and my trust in Jesus and His death on the cross. And I still remember like it was last week as a young child making that decision in my life. And with a simple prayer of inviting Jesus to forgive my sin and come into my life, um, I began a new life, even as a young child. And I don't know if you've ever come to that place in your life where you've recognized that need to turn from sin and to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. That's why the baby was born, right? That's why he came. And so my encouragement to you this morning is kind of two things. For those of us who know and love Jesus, the message of Christmas is too important not to share with others. The stories told of Jesus ascending into heaven and shortly thereafter having a conversation with an angel. This obviously is a made up story, but it's a point I want to make. And so Jesus has this conversation with one of the angels in heaven. And the angel says to Jesus, you know, those 11 guys you left behind, you're, you're counting on them? To share the good news, to share the gospel, you're counting on those guys? Are you sure? For real? So, if that doesn't happen, if that doesn't work, what's the backup plan? And Jesus said, there is no backup plan. There is no plan B. It's up to them and those who follow them. So the story of Christmas is too important to keep to ourselves. Who is it that God wants you to share that story with and and the impact in your own life? And then if you've never come to the point of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, this would be a great morning to do that, wouldn't it? As we celebrate Christmas together. And so I want to pray and invite our worship team to come. And as they come and we conclude our service together, I'm just going to come and sit over here and... If you'd like to make a decision this morning to invite Jesus into your life, ask Him to forgive your sin, just come and meet me down here and we'll pray together. Can we do that? Does that make sense? So let me pray as the worship team comes. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for that first Christmas. We're so thankful for the simple message that came to those shepherds. Today, there's born for you a Savior. Christ the Lord. Thank you for that awesome, awesome message.
Would you find us faithful to, to share it with others? And I would pray this morning for anyone who's yet to come to know Jesus, to know that, that personal love relationship, that you would draw that one to yourself this morning, to put his or her faith and trust in Jesus. So Lord, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful that we can celebrate Christmas, to celebrate your birth, to celebrate all that you've done for us. And so we give you thanks together this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.